Welcome to the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, one of the most significant values we provide our clients is leveraging our experience helping hundreds successfully navigate through life's transitions. On this podcast, our advisor team explores some of the questions we get every day from our clients. We share some insights on financial topics, and we interview some fantastic professionals from our vast network. Our hope is that you leave with some food for thought and some good ideas to consider. Thank you for joining us. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Dollar Wise Podcast. I am Catherine Allen Carlozo from HFM Investment Advisors, and today I am joined by Martha Shedden. Hi, Martha. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. It's my honor. And I'm, I'm actually very excited. Martha is president and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, NARSSA. You're also a chartered retirement planning counselor. You were introduced to the topic of Social Security in 2011 and in 2014, and you began teaching CPE slash CE. Those are continuing education Social Security courses to people like me, finance and tax professionals, and recognizing the demand for retirees to obtain personalized Social Security guidance on specific rules affecting their claiming decisions. And there are, what, 2,700? rules, Martha? Exactly. Huh. With exceptions to those rules. Oh my gosh. Um, you launched your business, Shedden Social Security and Retirement Planning in 2015 to provide claiming analysis services. And then in 2017, you and Michael Rosedale, CPA, co-founded NARSSA to provide online education and training for financial and tax professionals to become registered social security analysts, which is what I became. So yes. I am a, I'm an official registered social security analyst and it was uh, via going, doing some research and finding your program. And I was very impressed by it. You and I obviously had a conversation and I had, because I do have that passion to educate our clients and anyone who needs to learn more about social security, which basically is everyone. So I thought this was something that was, in my opinion, it's a void, you know, that people really need to understand more about social security Social Security, it's like one of those mysteries of life, Martha. It's like, you know, Stonehenge or, or uh, <laughs> Loch Ness or, or you know, Bigfoot or, or even like you were just, you and I were talking earlier about space and the James Webb, you know, other intelligent life out there that could be, you know, we don't know. But, you know, hopefully our goal and particularly yours is to help educate and kind of solve that yeah. mystery for people of taking, you know, receiving their benefits, not so much at the maximized or certain times, but the optimal time to take their benefits. So I'm just going to ask you some questions and you can kind of help the audience with understanding more information. Okay, great. So people who aren't retired yet, mm-hmm. right? And with me doing financial planning, this is huge, right? They need to understand when to claim their Social Security. 
And it's not simply when to wait, correct? The more you will get, there might be something else. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts on when to claim. Well, first off, it's a very personalized decision. No two cases are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess for singles, it's a fairly easy analysis, but yet we can still help them if they're in their 50s to project ahead what income they think they might have and help show them the numbers for when they would collect. It's personalized. It's a very large amount of money that many people underestimate. And that's what first shocked me when I started studying Social Security, because over our lifetimes of 20, possibly 30 or more years in retirement, that it adds up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And for couples, a high earning couple, it can be over $2 million. So the decision of when to claim and how to claim, especially for couples to coordinate benefits, can there can be a lot of money at stake by making an uninformed decision. Mm-hmm. So the program that you have, you help with, first of all, advisors like myself, right. so that I can help better educate my clients and the public with understanding what, like you said, you know, what's at stake if you take it too early. And I think there's some pretty harsh statistics that most people, I believe, take it before what we call their full retirement age, right? Yes. Very few actually wait all as long as you can. And that would be age 70. That's, I don't know, one, two, three percent, something like that. The majority of people do collect before their full retirement age. And why do you think that is? Do you think it's because people are just, they feel I'm going to get my money as soon as I can from the government? Or do they look at things sometimes as, which I've heard as a financial planner, well, I'm only going to live to be 80 or something like that? Right. It's a lot of different reasons, Catherine, that that definitely is one that people want to take the money. It's, they've been waiting for it, they stopped working, they're going to start taking that they want to get what they can when they can. There's a lot of people who feel that the program's not going to be able to pay them in the future. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of misunderstanding about that. That's another reason. But mainly, I think people just don't realize they're not informed enough about their individual details. And especially, like I said, for couples or families, they might have a younger spouse and minor children. There's so many nuances there that should be considered. So it's the whole retirement planning, I think, should start with that Social Security, because that is you really have to think of it as an asset. For many people, it is their largest asset in retirement, and it should be given that amount of attention when planning how to claim it. One of the things I learned when I was learning your going through all the modules in your program is when it first was formed, President Roosevelt, it was not intended to really cover all of your income when you retire. 
No, it never has been. Yeah, that's true. And it's different, obviously, for people who have lower income versus people who have higher income. There's a lot of things that probably have not changed over the years, which is something that we're dealing with right now. As we saw the inflation, the increase last year was what 5.9%. Yes. And for this coming year, mm-hmm. it's projected between 9 and 11%. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, you know, for an 87 year old program, it's done pretty well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but that's what gives you hope and optimism about the future, because there are so many pieces to it that can be tweaked and updated and that can keep the longevity of the program going. So and and there are some things that they're talking about. What can you just share with the audience some of the things that you that you hear about, whether it's increasing, I don't know, the, the earnings limit or I'll let you. Yeah, the big, you know, right now, Catherine, the biggest factor seems to be looking at that maximum taxable earnings. So okay. right now, unlike Medicare, for workers, only up to the the annual maximum amount, which is 147000 this year in 2022 is taxed for social security. So you contribute into FICA, the Federal Insurance Contributions Act, that's the official name of social security for social security and Medicare. But after 147,000, no money is contributed for social security, just for Medicare. So raising that limit, possibly having a, a donut hole and starting to tax at a higher limits like everything over 400,000 or people who earn over 250,000 because those high earners have out there's been more of an increase in the number of high earners and those wages than was anticipated you know historically so, so is that based on an individual it's not if you're married the 147,000 earnings limit right now is per individual. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. And like we had just said with inflation, if they were to increase social security, even if it, let's just call it a 9% for this year, Mm -hmm. because one of the things that happened, I guess, last year was Medicare premiums went up. Yes. That was an interesting year. And that's always the case. It's something that people, a lot of Social Security and Medicare, of course, we don't understand until we get into our 60s. And Mm -hmm. we should start a little earlier on that. But once you start collecting Social Security, your Medicare premiums are taken out of that check. So there is a hold harmless rule that doesn't allow your Social Security benefit to decrease. But like you you said, there may be a 5% COLA cost of living adjustment. And but the Medicare costs, the healthcare costs, we all know are mm-hmm. the most uncertain variable in retirement. And if they go up greater than that, then that takes out that COLA from Social Security. So yeah, I, I heard that. Because sometimes, you know, if people think that they're now they might get an extra, I don't know, $100 a month in Social Security payment, but their Medicare premium went up. Yeah. And then it might even go and get them into another tax 
level, correct? Yes, that's why that's why Social Security is such an important part of financial planning in retirement for finance and tax professionals. You can't you can't do it in a vacuum. You you need to consider all these other aspects, and that's why our financial professionals and tax professionals should understand it really well. So when they do things like this, you know, I think one of the biggest concerns that we're hearing now is, and you touched on it earlier, is about Social Security going bankrupt or running out of money. And, you know, for the younger generation, it's not going to be there anymore. And we all hear that. Even for someone like myself, I think, okay, maybe at some point my benefit will be reduced but we still have money going into Social Security, correct? I mean, people are still working, but that's part of the concern of, right, about Social Security going bankrupt. What's your thought on that? Well, my thought is that the media loves to grab (laughs) onto that every time the trustees report comes out each spring. Uh But it's it's as simple as understanding how Social Security works. And it was set up, as a pay-as-you-go system, meaning that those workers contributing, their contributions are paying for the retirees' benefits at that time. And over the years, there's been slight changes, like Social Security can be taxed. Now that money is put back into the trust fund. Okay. But then there have been amendments, and the most significant of those in 1983 they had the foresight, it was a bipartisan group to plan ahead, Mm -hmm. to plan to create a surplus in the trust fund, because there was, they had come to the edge, I mean, it was about to have to pay less than people were expecting. And so this surplus was created. And that led to us being able to pay everyone up through 2020 or so. Mm -hmm. And then just based on the interest on that surplus. And now that surplus, the principal is being used up. So when when you hear the year 2035 or 2034, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not going to be able to pay full benefits. It means that if nothing is done to strengthen the program, whether that means increasing the contribution level, Mm -hmm decreasing benefits, they'd still be able to pay about 80% of expected benefits based on the number of workers who are contributing into the system. So it's never going to go away. Okay. There's too much support for Social Security it, across all political parties, all demographics. There's huge Correct. support for the program. Yeah. And like so. you said, so many people are dependent on it even if it's not a full, you know, even if it's 40% of what they need for retirement income or 60% sometimes. And that brings me to another question is, I think another thing that people don't realize are some of the benefits as a, whether an ex-spouse or spouse or survivor. Yes, especially the divorced topic is critical. Mm -hmm. And the survivor benefit, so, so critical. Survivor benefits are 
the least understood and most often not claimed in an optimal way. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of money being left on the table there. And when someone passes away, that's not the optimal time to learn about this, right? You want to understand it as a couple Mm -hmm. or divorced before that happens and Mm -hmm. plan for that. But yes, that's what's so wonderful about the program. If you meet certain criteria, you were married at least 10 years, you're 62 or older and still single, you have the opportunity if that benefit is greater to collect an ex-spousal benefit. So if uh, I was if I was a an ex-spouse and I was married to this person for 10 years and I'm not married, I I did not get remarried and now I'm 62. Mm-hmm. Or even if I say I'm my full retirement age of 66 and four months or 67, mm-hmm. I can collect 50% of my ex-spouse's benefit, correct? If you collect that, mm-hmm. well, two things. If you collect yeah. it at your full retirement age, okay. otherwise it's reduced, and only if it is greater than your own retirement benefit. Okay. So the 50% has to be greater than what my full benefit would be. Yes. Or I get the difference between, right? So if his benefit was 3000 full retirement, right? And mine was, I don't know, 1200 then I would get half of his, which would be 1500 You would get that amount, Catherine, but it would actually be comprised of your twelve hundred, okay, plus a three hundred dollar ex spousal addition to bring it up to that amount. And would I have to let Social Security know that I'm filing for ex spouse benefits? Oh yes, yes. Okay. And that, and if you file online, well, the best I recommend everyone file online because the application is it's very straightforward, and you can start and stop. You don't have to complete it all at once. You can go ask questions and and get help. But it asks about previous marriages and if how long they lasted, and then okay. give that information, you know, on your ex spouse. And if you are divorced over two years and were married over ten, you are independently entitled, and that simply means that it doesn't matter what your ex spouse is doing. They don't have to have started collecting. Okay. Uh, They may have remarried. It doesn't affect their benefit or their current spouse's benefit. So that two year time of divorce is critical to know too, which I find most people, you know, meet that requirement. I think it's interesting because like you just said, I think a lot of people leave money on the table because they really don't know what they're entitled to. There's a story about Johnny Carson because he was married four times. Oh, yes, right. And three of his spouses, two ex and his surviving, all collected from his (laughs) one benefit. The one Joanne that he was married to, they were only married nine years, so she didn't get the benefit. But it's an interesting story because you, you think about how Social Security allow like that's even with like family benefits. You know, yes. they they allow you to get like your family, your your 
if you have younger children or uh, disabled or something, correct? Yes, those dependent benefits are payable. And that's surprising to a lot of people, how mm-hmm. you know, children, a young wife or widow who's caring for young children, but they do set a family maximum amount based on okay. the worker's full benefit. So in the case of divorce, though, that doesn't, that doesn't apply. So the situation with Johnny Carson's ex-wives can happen. And I don't think the founders of Social Security anticipated back in 1935 that that would be the case. <laughs> well, and also our life expectancy was much shorter, right? So yeah. another reason why people that were collecting or putting money into Social Security, then they didn't really live long to to collect for 20, 30 years. Which yes. Is what we see yes. now, right? That's a, that's a very huge difference. The life yeah. expectancy 20. Yeah. That's what's so critical about social security because it's a monthly check that's with cost of living adjustments the rest of your life. It, it is, it's really an annuity and it, and people, we shouldn't think of those, that money coming out of our paycheck and that our employer is also contributing. We refer to it as a tax it's actually should be thought of as a contribution to an annuity that you are going to get when you retire. Right. Um, a good, a good type of an annuity that doesn't yeah. have a lot of expenses in them. Yes. Yeah. And we are not as individuals as our self-employment plans have, have shown too good at saving and providing for ourselves on the whole. Right. And so we're fortunate that, Social Security is there to to help us with that. Yeah, we have to create our own pension plans nowadays, right? Yeah. Retirement planning and Social Security and making sure, like you said, that we're optimizing the best time. And I thought what I'm just going to share what I thought was interesting when I was learning in your program was how it doesn't mean that both spouses are going to collect at their full retirement age or that both spouses are going to collect at age 70, that it might make sense that one spouse collects at 70 and one at 62. That kind of stuff is what I feel is very valuable because people really truly don't understand what is supposed to be the best. Like, for instance, like you said too, and it doesn't happen a lot, but it just, it came up a couple of times recently where I know people who are at their full retirement age and they have minor children. So they may not know that the minor child, because until they were at age 18 or 19, uh-huh. if they're still in college or high school, high I school, forget, high school, high school yeah. that they can get a benefit as part of this family benefit. And of course, if the spouse can also until the child is what? 16. Yeah. yeah. So there's just, Minor. there's so much about this social security that people really truly don't know. And what you're providing for someone like me, and then what I'm, you know, I can pass that on and mm-hmm. more we can educate. And I, you know, I do focus a lot on women because of like you just said earlier, the longevity, right? To me, that's one of the most important parts of this. 
the women, yes, we have longer life expectancy. Also, still historically, our earnings are usually lower than our spouses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that survivor benefit is a critical decision to be considered. Absolutely. I truly believe that. And I, again, I feel that unless we're getting it out there and, and educating people, this is such a crucial part of their retirement planning and making sure that as my role, which is, and you also do it in your practice, is to make sure that they are, as I always say, making mistakes that they can never recover from, right? Yes. Because if you claim too early. There are a couple ways to make up for that, but you don't want to, you don't want to do that if you don't have to. Right. And that's a, a point I'll quickly mention is that claiming early, as you know, from mm-hmm. your experience between 62 and full retirement age, and this has happened over the past few years because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. there's an earnings test. And so if you're collecting social security and still working with earnings, then if you earn over a certain amount, some of your social security benefit will be withheld. Mm-hmm. So if you've lost a job and you started collecting social security, you go back to work, you do have 12 months from when you first apply to withdraw the application. You know, I want our listeners to understand that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but just being very aware of that time period of collecting before full retirement age, there's some, some real dangers there that you want to avoid. I thought another interesting thing, because this happened to um, someone that I know, a client, not a client, but someone that I'm near and dear to, she still works and she was 70 and she would not, she was not collecting her social security because she didn't want to, because she felt that she had, as people understand now, the required minimum distribution to take out of their retirement accounts is 72. It's not 70 and a half anymore. So she had it in her head, that 72 number, and she applied it to social security. And she thought, I can continue to not collect social security and it'll keep increasing by 8% until 72. And I said to her, no. And then she got on the phone with social security. She spoke to someone who was very knowledgeable and he was very helpful for her. And he said, you're, you're calling at a good time because you just hit that six months. Six There's months. Like six months of that retroactive. Yeah. So she called me and she said, not only did I get a lump sum in my, in my checking account, but she said, I would have lost that. Yeah. So that's the other interesting thing is, is just like you said, from the beginning of this, when we were talking media and the information that comes out and people are getting misinformation or they're hearing, I'll hear this. Why did you start collecting early? Well, because my neighbor did. Or, 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 my, because, right, or because my brother did. Well, your brother's in a totally different situation than you. right? And that was one of the things that in, in your statistics that you shared in your training program was that a lot of people get their advice from other sources other than their financial advisor or experts such as yourself. And they don't, well, many people don't work with an advisor. Mm -hmm. They may call social security administration and get a 
Mm. They can get a little bit of information. They can be helped with their own benefit. They can't, Social Security can't advise them on their personal claiming. If they're married, like you've mentioned, we've talked about lots of different issues. They can't help on that. So who do they turn to? I mean, that's why we really want RSSA to be like the CFP of Social Security advice. There's no reason that everyone, regardless of their income, their assets, they shouldn't get help with this. Well, I want to thank you for having this program for people like myself, because I have found it invaluable. And it has helped me, obviously, very much with my clients. There was so much that I didn't know. And, and I never will know all of it, right? I'm always learning. But I can always go back to you, the experts, and if I have any questions. Martha, thank you so much for joining me today on my DollarWise podcast. And to the audience, thank you very much for joining us. And if this is your first time listening to our podcast, you can hit the subscribe button. I'm being told it's on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, I'm not sure, whatever else, but... Again, thank you, Martha, and the pleasure was and very informative. I, I truly appreciate you spending the time with us today. Thank you so much, Catherine, for having me. It's always such a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to see each other, even though you're in California. <laughs> yes, thank you. All right. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, our mission is to educate and empower our clients to make wise financial decisions. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at hfmadvisors.com. The Dollar Wise Podcast is presented by HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor firm. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.